Good morning and welcome to our service. We're glad that you're here today. If you're visiting, as always, we want to encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're grateful for the number of visitors that come our way from week to week. It might be that you're looking for a church home. As always, we want to encourage you to consider the work here. We would love to have you come and join hands with us as we do our best to make known New Testament Christianity in this area. We're thankful for such a beautiful day. It is summertime. A lot of things are going on. Next week, our young folks will go to camp. They've already had a busy summer. Last week, some of our members had the opportunity to engage in a VBS at the Getwell Church. I know that they appreciated the efforts that were expended by those of you that worked in that particular endeavor. And we appreciate you for taking part in that work. I do want to mention just very quickly that our own VBS will be coming up very soon. And I'm sure that there's a place for you to work. If you're looking for something to do, we'd love to have you to come and to be a part of that. It's always a great week. It's a busy week, but we would love to have you come and be a part of that work. I want to call attention today to 2 Peter chapter 3. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, we'll be looking at these verses in just a moment. I want to begin by asking this question. Are you ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ? In asking this question, the basis for this question really goes back to this fact. Death is imminent. Not only is death imminent, but biblically speaking, the scriptures tell us that Jesus will come again. And so it's in light of those two facts that I would ask the question, are you ready to meet Jesus? Because you see, whether we like it or not, we will either die or the Lord Jesus Christ will come during our lifetime. So in light of those two facts, are you ready to meet the Lord Jesus? At some point in time, whether we like it or not, we will stand face to face with Jesus. And so again, I ask the question, are you ready to meet Jesus? I want you to look with me for just a moment or two at 2 Peter chapter 3, and the basis of this text has to do with the return of Jesus. The Bible over and over again talks about the second coming of Christ. And so, in light of that, I want us to look at this text as we think of the theme, Are You Ready to Meet Jesus? The first thing I want to do is call attention to the Word of God. Because Peter, in writing to those who were saints in the first century, emphasizes God's Word in light of the second coming of Christ. 
The first thing he does is to remind the saints of God's truth. And then there is a second thing that he endeavors to do, and that is to reinforce God's truth to the saints. So listen to what he says, beginning in verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Back in chapter 1, verse 13, Peter had talked about the fact that as long as he dwelt in his tent or tabernacle, and that, and that was simply an allusion to his physical body, he said it was necessary to remind them of certain things. One of the best ways to teach is repetition. There are a number of things that the Apostle Peter talked about in his two epistles. And so reminding the children of God of certain divine truths, and we do that all the time. We try to teach and teach and continue to teach. But then also he sought to reinforce the truth of Almighty God. In verse 2 he said that you, may, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So first there was a reminder and then secondly a reinforcement. Now in this context Peter's going to be talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus talked about his own second coming. The apostles had a lot to say about the second coming of Christ. The apostle Paul, for example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, talked about Jesus coming as a thief in the night. And so the first century church, they were well aware of the fact that the Lord and the apostles had talked about the eventual second coming of Jesus. The Lord himself had said of that day and hour, knows no one, not the angels of heaven, but rather he said, my father only in Matthew chapter 24 at verse 36. And so to reinforce the truth of Almighty God. Now, there were some reasons for reinforcing this divine truth. And one of the reasons was because there were some who were questioning, mocking, ridiculing, scoffing at the idea that Jesus would return. So listen to what he says, beginning in verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, we think about the Christian age, walking according to their own lust and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. He goes all the way back to the creation of man. Spe specifically, he's going to talk about the flood and the fact that the flood was an occurrence, a real occurrence. And so he says in verse 5, For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Going all the way back to the days of Noah. You remember God 
decreed in the long ago to destroy the world by means of a flood, instructing Noah to build an ark of gopher wood. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 6 at verse 22 that Noah complied with the will of God. He followed the command of Almighty God. As a result of that, he along with his household were saved. So in verse 7 he said, But the heavens and earth which now exist are kept in store by the same word reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But he said, Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. We live in a world that is bound by time. Everything that we do is done under a time clock. God, however, is not bound by time. And just because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has not returned, does not mean that He will not return. And so Peter is saying, look, God in the long ago decreed to destroy the world by means of a flood. He did that. And just because He has not acted up until this point in time does not mean that He will not act. The bottom line, according to Peter, He will. The world that we see, everything that is visible, will be destroyed according to what Peter said. So, there were some in the first century that were really mocking or deriding the idea that Jesus would ever come, living as if it were nothing more than fiction. And so Peter said, look, not only do I need to remind you of certain things, I need to reinforce some things. You need to understand, this is a reality. Now, I want you to think with me, not just of the Word of God, but consider, if you would, the will of God in light of the fact that Jesus will come again. In light of God's redemptive plan, what's the Lord's will? Listen to what Peter said, beginning in verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness. Again, going back to the idea that Jesus will come. But Peter said he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. God's will for the human family, God's will for you, is salvation. Don't ever let anybody tell you that God is not concerned about you individually, because He is. When I think about the clarity of the gospel... Did you know the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4 through 4, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins according to the Scriptures. The Bible says not only did He die, but He was buried. And in that context, He said that Jesus rose from the dead the third day according to the Scriptures. Why did Jesus die? For sin? Is sin a problem? Absolutely. Do you remember the words of Paul in Romans chapter 3? He said, there's none righteous, no, not one. 
He would say in verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. John said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, that sin is the transgression of the law. So who has sinned? According to Scripture, all have sinned. And yet God, because of His tremendous love for us, that is the crown of His creation, sent His Son to die for us. I like the words of John in 1 John chapter 4, verse 14. When he said, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Do you remember the announcement that was made to Joseph in a dream by the angel of God? In Matthew chapter 1, when that angel said, speaking of Jesus, that he would be born of the Virgin Mary, that she would bring forth a son, his name would be called Jesus, and the angel said, he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus Christ came, lived, and died for you. Here's what Jesus said, for God so loved the world, that's inclusive of everyone, that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What's God's desire for the human family? Salvation. Paul said, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to every man. God is interested in everyone. It doesn't matter what our race might be. It doesn't matter our gender. It doesn't matter where we are economically, socially, whatever. God sent his son to die for our sins. So how does God call people today? It's through the gospel. That's what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, or rather chapter 2, verse 14. That he has called us by the gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we preach and teach to people? So that they'll hear the gospel, believe it, and obey it. You see, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we preach, we teach, we continue to preach, we continue to teach. Why? So that people will hear the gospel, believe it, and obey it. God is interested in the souls of people. He's interested in you. He thought enough of you to send his son to die for your sins. So that's the will of a loving God in heaven. But let me ask this question. How do we get to God? What's the way to God? Did, did God give us a plan a means by which we might enjoy a relationship with him? Listen to Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, take that into consideration as you hear what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. He said, The Lord's not slack concerning his promises, some count slackness, but his long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has designed a way, a means, by which we can enjoy a relationship with Him. It's through repentance. Now somebody might ask the question, what is repentance? What's that mean? What's it all about? Repentance is a change of mind. And it is followed 
by a change in our lives, in our activities. Let me see if I can give you, give you an example. Do you remember when Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus? In Ephesians chapter 4, here's what Paul said. Let him who stole steal no more. That's repentance. Here's a guy that was a thief. He has obeyed the gospel. As a result of obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ, he gets out of a life of stealing. He gives that way of life up. That's just one example. But it is a change of mind that is followed by a change of habits, a change of action or activities. But here's another question. Who does God want to repent? The Bible says that God's willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. When you go back to Acts chapter 17 and read of Paul's efforts in, in the city of Athens, the Bible tells us that he preached to those people the one true living God because those people were pagan idolaters. The text says in Acts chapter 17 verse 16 that when he arrived in Athens, his spirit was stirred within him because the whole city was given over to idolatry. So he sought to correct the thinking of those people. He identified for them the one true living God. He said, it is in God that we live and move and have our very being. He is the giver of all life, breath, and all things. And so in verse 30 he said, the times of ignorance God winked at. But now he commands all men everywhere to do what? To repent. Well, why would that be? Why would God want people to repent? Because in verse 31 he said, Inasmuch as he has ordained a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. By whom? By Jesus Christ. The very one who has been raised from the dead. So what Paul was saying to those people in Athens is, you need to repent. Of what? Their idolatrous ways. One of the prerequisites to becoming a child of God is repentance. Do you remember on Pentecost Day when the Apostle Peter, as well as the other apostles, preached the gospel in the city of Jerusalem? Multitudes of people were in that city. They were there to observe the day of Pentecost. The Apostle Peter preached Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He indicted them as having crucified and slain the Son of God. And so, in verse 37, the Bible says that they were cut or pricked in their hearts. And here's what they asked Peter. What shall we do? Peter said, repent. Of what? Past sins. Is that not what Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, when he said, except you repent, you will perish? Peter is telling those people on Pentecost Day, here's what you need to do. Number one, you need to repent of your sins. Did they believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Absolutely. They were well aware of who Jesus was. They had crucified and slain the Son of God. 
as Peter pointed out, beginning in about verse 22. And so he said, you need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ by his authority for what? For the remission of your sins. That is, so your sins can be forgiven. So here were people that were instructed to repent and be baptized into Christ. Why? So that they might be forgiven. So that they might enjoy a relationship with God the Father. So there are some people, having never obeyed the gospel, they have to repent. There are others that are in Christ. And for whatever reason, they've gone back into the world. Peter talks about that in 2 Peter chapter 2. In verse 15, he says, they have forsaken the right way. Well, how then would somebody that has forsaken the right way get back on the right track and be saved? Repent. Listen again to what Peter said. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is, those who are alien sinners, individuals that have never obeyed the gospel, they need to repent, be baptized into Christ. What about somebody that's gone back into the world? Well, the way back home, repentance. Listen to Peter in verse 20 of chapter 2. He said, if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. That is, here's somebody that's been baptized into Christ. They have enjoyed the blessings of being a child of God. They've been forgiven of their sins. They have escaped the corruptions that are in the world. But now they get caught back up in a life of ungodliness. To borrow the words of Peter, they are entangled in a web of sin and overcome. Peter said the latter end is worse than the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. So how does somebody that has gotten off track, here's somebody they've been baptized into Christ, they've been in fellowship with the Lord, they're a member of the body of Christ, how does somebody get back home? Do you remember the prodigal in Luke 15? Went out into that far country and wasted his substance with riotous living. That light went off. The Bible says he came to himself. And he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare? I perish here with hunger. This will I do. I'll, I will arise and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Repentance is not just Confession of sin. Repentance is the turning away from sin. This fellow went back home. If you're living in sin, that is a life of habitual sin, and you are a child of God, in other words, if you have forsaken the right way, you've chosen to go back into the world, to renounce your relationship with the Lord, the way back home is through repentance. It's the only way home. Now, in light of that, listen to what Peter has to say regarding a warning from God. Look, if you would, at verse 10. In verse 10, we have what might be called a declaration concerning the coming of Jesus. 
The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. When Jesus comes, when he comes the second time, the world as we know it will be destroyed. Everything that we can see with the visible eye will be destroyed. Jesus, as you well know, was the creator of that which is visible and invisible. He created all things. The Hebrew writer said that Jesus is the one that laid the foundations of the earth. The heavens, he said, were the works of his hands. But when Jesus comes again, the world will be destroyed. The home you live in, the city that we live in, the automobiles that we use on a regular basis, the clothes we wear, everything that, everything that is a part of planet Earth will be destroyed. Now somebody says, when's Jesus coming? I don't know. I know that there are a lot of folks that have tried to forecast when Jesus will come. But if you listen to Jesus, you know that those who are forecasting the second coming of Christ, the bottom line, they don't know what they're talking about because Jesus said, of that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Peter said he will come as a thief in the night. Let me ask you this question. If a thief, if a thief were going to break into your home, do you think that thief would call you up the night before and say, hey, by the way, I'm going to stop by and just take a few things from your house. I don't think he'd do that. Jesus said, you need to be ready. Because he said, the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect him. I don't know when Jesus is coming, but I know this, he is coming. And so in light of his coming, let's think for a moment about the preparation that must be made for that coming. Listen now to Peter in verse 11. Therefore, that is, in light of the fact that Jesus will come and the world as we know it will be destroyed. Here's what he says. Since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Here's what he's saying. The Son of God, the one that you read about in the Bible, the one who came, lived, and died on Calvary, ascended back to heaven, seated at the Father's right hand, he's coming again. And when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, comes again, the world as we know it will be destroyed, dissolved. As Peter said, the elements will melt with fervent heat. So what you need to be doing, what I need to be doing, is living a holy, godly, righteous life. I need to be living in such a way 
so that if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, were to come today, I'd be ready. Now, there are a lot of folks that are banking on the fact that he won't come. There are a lot of people, some even in the church, whose lives are not what they ought to be. And they too are banking on the fact that they have time and opportunity to get their lives in order before this event. Time may be on your side. On the other hand, it may not be on your side. I can't say definitively when Jesus will come. I don't know. But I know this. Peter said he will come as a thief in the night. And when he does come, he's going to surprise a lot of folks. Some in Christ and many out of Christ. It'll be a surprise. Now, it will be a day of gladness for those of us who are in Christ. We talk about the saints of God. It will be a day of gladness. Listen to what Peter said in verse 13. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, comes, it's going to be a day of gladness for those of us who are faithful members of the body of Christ. Why? Because we're going home to be with God. We're going to be in the presence of Almighty God. We'll be in the presence of the Lamb forevermore. We'll be in that place where there will be no more death, nor sickness, nor illness, nor disease. Pain will be no more. We'll be in a, in a state of bliss. We will reside in the in the beauty of heaven. But just as it will be a day of gladness for saints, it will be a day of sadness for sinners. You know, we live in a world where people will sometimes talk about having a bad day. <clears throat> I, like you, have had some bad days. I've had some days that if I could somehow go back and rewrite those days, I would purge them because they've been bad days. I want you to think about this. If Jesus were to come, or if you were to die outside of Jesus Christ, that is, if you were to die either having never obeyed the gospel or unfaithful, you want to talk about a bad day? You have never had a bad day until you step out into eternity in the presence of Almighty God unprepared. And here's the sad part. The horrors of that first day will be just as bad a million trillion years from now. You see, we're not talking about just a brief momentary period of time, but we're talking about eternity. That's why what we're talking about is serious stuff. I asked you a question just a moment ago. Are you ready to meet Jesus? I'm not sure how many people we have lost in 2014 to death. I know that 
we have, we've had some losses. And based on history, from now until the first of the year, we'll have more losses. How do I know that? Because that's the world we live in. Death is a reality. What if you were to lose your life this year? Would you be ready to meet Jesus? Would you be ready to stand in the presence of God? What if Jesus were to come? I'm not saying he'll come today. I'm not saying he'll come next year, next month. But I know he could. If he were to come, would he catch you unprepared? Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, you know what, I've been, I have been planning to be baptized into Christ. I've been planning to become a New Testament Christian, but I have been putting it off. I want you to think about this for a minute. If you have been putting that off, you're unprepared right now. If Jesus were to come right now, you'd be lost. No ifs, buts, or ands. You would be lost eternally. If you're unfaithful, same thing. You'd be lost. We talk about being lost. And we talk about being severed from the presence of Almighty God. Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 talks about the second coming of Jesus. And he said when he comes that he will render vengeance on them that know not the gospel and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're either in or you're out. You're either prepared or you're unprepared. All I'm trying to tell you is this. If you're unprepared, don't leave here today in that state. It will be the hardest decision you ever make to decide whether or not you're going to become a child of God, but it will be the best decision you ever make. There are some of you here today that need to obey the gospel. You've been thinking about it, but you haven't done it. I want to ask you right now, what's keeping you from doing that? Peter said, repent, be baptized. Your sins will be forgiven. What would keep you from doing that? Maybe you're here and you've been unfaithful. You know you haven't been living like you should. Why not come home? What would keep you from coming back? Don't wait too late as we stand and sing. Yes.